Welcome to Only Today, a Gathering Mana podcast, where Catholic moms can find practical tips, advice, and help that will equip them to live more joyfully in their vocations as mothers and wives. This series is called Pray With Me. Here we will explore what it means to dwell moment by moment with God and keep our hearts near Him amidst the busy work of motherhood. Together we're going to learn how to apply contemplative spirituality to the everyday moments of ordinary life. Let's listen in. Good morning. We are in the third week of our series, Transforming Prayers for Catholic Moms. And today we're praying again with the psalmist, Lord, keep me from deception. Last week, we asked God to keep us from internal deception in the things we believe about ourselves and others, about God, or, about, or the way that we internalize the messages we receive from the world around us. Today, we're going to talk about the other half of this little deception problem, external deception. We're going to talk about the ways we deceive ourselves and others with the words we speak or hear, and that pesky little problem of lying and gossip, which seems so hard to avoid. Let's begin with scripture as a prayer for God to open our hearts and ears to hear what he has to say to us today in his word. We're in Psalm 119. My soul lies in the dust. By your word, revive me. I declared your ways and you answered. Teach me your statutes. Make me grasp the way of your precepts and I will muse on your wonders. My soul pines away with grief. By your word, raise me up. Keep me from the way of error and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of truth and your decrees before me. I bind myself to do your will. Lord, do not disappoint me. I run the path of your commands for you have given freedom to my heart. So last week we talked about God keeping us from internal deception and he will help us to understand his word and what he wants for us. Let's review some of our scriptures from the last session about lying and deception in general. Isaiah 59 3, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness, speaking lies, it conceives mischief, it begats sin. They all deceive their neighbors, says Jeremiah 9, 5, and no one speaks the truth. They have taught their tongues to speak lies and are too weary to repent. In Hosea 10, 13, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your power and in the multitude of your own horses. Psalm 12, 2, everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. And then again in John 8:44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's a lot of scripture to start off with today, but I wanted to just sort of remind uh, remind ourselves about um, what we're talking about here and how serious this concept is of keeping ourselves from deception, both internally and externally. 
And we're hoping to, as we study, recognize deception and be able to say with the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Rather, we have denounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Here's the frustrating thing about sin and deception. Speaking deception is sin, and it's wrong, and it keeps us from God. Some sin is so serious that it creates a fracture in the soul and cuts us off from the flow of grace. That's a terrifying thought to me. God's response to sin, though, is always interesting. He hates it because it keeps us bound up in ourselves, and it inhibits His grace in our lives. Sometimes in Scripture, He becomes very angry at the sin and idolatry of His people. But God is always aware of a truth that we often forget. See, He knows where sin comes from and where it began. The enemy of your soul prowls like a roaring lion. And if you're like most people, the sins that you most frequently fall into are the result of lies you have believed about God or about yourself or about what it means to be happy. They're the result of you commandeering and taking the wheel back from God to put yourself in the driver's seat because the enemy has told you that God isn't going to give you what you need at this time and it's up to you. In a word, sin has at its roots fear. Pause and think about that for a while. Really look at the areas of sin that you struggle with and see if you can't trace it back to this core attitude of believing either I know what's okay for me, or God won't give me what I need. We believe lies sometimes, but God doesn't believe lies, and He knows the truth. He knows you can't do anything without Him. He knows you desperately need His mercy, and that this battle you are in is way bigger than you. Sin is often the result of half-truths about God's character or about our world, And it's kind of the story of our taking things into our own hands to try to manufacture our own happiness or control our experience on this earth. So where am I going with all this? It almost always comes down to fear, being afraid and not wanting to lose our freedom or something valuable to us. So for example, when we lie, like whether it's about money we've spent or making an excuse for why we can't do something, It's usually because we're afraid of being called out for making choices that other people might not like or that God might not like. It's fear that someone will try to take away our freedom or to take from us something that we think we need, to stop us from getting something that we think we need. So we will violate truth in order to make sure that we feel a sense of control. Think about it. See if this isn't true in your life, if you give it some thought. What are the core beliefs that are driving the behaviors you are struggling to overcome? Why do we lie or engage less obvious manipulative or deceptive communication practices? Some of the more common ones for women are, we're afraid to hurt people's feelings, we're afraid of confrontation, we're afraid of growth, change, or exposure. All of these are what they are, fear. And fear is what motivates a lot of the deceptive choices that we make, oddly enough. 
Over 350 times in the Bible does God mention fear and what to do with it. And we are commanded not to be afraid. God addresses this so many times because he realizes that fear is the chief problem for mankind. Slowly, as we pray for God to keep us from these deceptive practices, his dear Holy Spirit will shed light on why we do these things and will show us which false beliefs are motivating us so that we can bring them before God and receive his healing. We spoke last week about the importance of transforming our minds and reprogramming our minds with the Word of God. By doing this, we're better, better able to recognize lies when they're presented in our thought patterns and we can correct them with God's truth. The ability to do this is a wonderful gift we have as His children. I have with me today a little book by Jacques Philippe called Time for God. This incredible little volume is a powerhouse of truth for our hearts. And it's for this reason that I've declared this summer the Summer of Philippe at Gathering Manna. We're going to be studying a couple of his books in a live Bible study forum, so stay tuned for details about that. But to whet your appetite, I want to share with you what he writes about faith and its relationship to trust and how we counter lies in our hearts with truth. He says, faith is the capacity of believers to act not according to impressions, preconceived ideas, or notions borrowed from other people, but according to what they are told by the word of God, which cannot lie. I'm going to read that again. Faith is the capacity of believers to not act according to impressions, preconceived notions, or notions borrowed from other people but according to what they are told by the word of God, which cannot lie. There's another subtle area of lies that most women engage in regularly without even thinking about it, and that area is gossip. Let's hear what Pope Francis has to say. These comments are taken from an Angelus message that he gave um, in 2014, where he tells us, or he actually he reflects on the need for Christians to refrain from all forms of slander. It's so rotten, gossip. At the beginning, it seems to be something enjoyable and fun, like a piece of candy. But at the end, it fills the heart with bitterness and also poisons us, said Pope Francis. I tell you the truth, he preached to the crowds filling St. Peter's Square, I am convinced that if each one of us would purposely avoid gossip, at the end, we would become a saint. It is a beautiful path. He goes on to say later, um, Jesus offers the example of the fifth commandment, do not kill. And he goes on to add, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be guilty before the court. And then the, and the Holy Father says, with this, Jesus reminds us that even words can kill explained the Pope. When it is said that someone has the tongue of a serpent, what does it mean that his words kill? He goes on to say, therefore, not only must one not make an attempt on the life of others, but one must not even pour on him the poison of anger or hit him with slander or speak ill of him. And here we arrive at gossip. Gossip can also kill because it kills the reputation of the person. 
Jesus proposes another way to his followers, the perfection of love, a love in which the only measure is not to measure, but to go beyond all calculating. The Pope then summarized, from all this, one understands that Jesus does not give importance simply to disciplinary observance and exterior conduct. He goes to the root of the law, focusing above all on the intention and then on the human heart from where our good or bad actions originate. Good and honest behavior, um, he, he says, does not come merely from juridical norms, but rather requires profound motivation, expressions of a hidden wisdom, the wisdom of God, which can be received by the grace of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who renders us capable of living divine love and following the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So these are beautiful words from Pope Francis about the motivations that cause us to be dishonest and how we need to go to the root of those places to uproot this practice of gossip, which he equates to killing the reputation of another and even to slander. So there are some really fascinating studies out there and some articles that have been written, especially in the, the past few years, about why people gossip. Most of these articles assert that people mistakenly use gossip actually to build intimacy and community. We want to be there for each other. We want to build attachment. We don't want to abandon an established order of communication or intimacy or make others uncomfortable. So we engage in gossip even when we don't want to. Also, when we do need to vent or get things off our chest, we really like feeling supported by others as they listen to us. For women especially, most lying and gossip is centered around our desire for sameness, for support, and for empathy. This is understandable. There's nothing wrong with wanting any of those things. In some circles, gossip is more than acceptable. It's the preferred mode of communication, but that doesn't make it okay. The intimacy with our friends and with our family and with our companions that the Lord desires for us with others is one that doesn't have to tear down someone else in order to be close or to be heard or validated. The intimacy that the Lord desires for us doesn't have to include representing someone in half-truths, which gossip always is, in order to make sure that our truth is heard. The intimacy the Lord desires for us won't evaporate if we choose to conform our words to the truth of Christ. I'm not for a moment suggesting that you hold everything inside and never share with anyone for fear of gossiping. But what I am suggesting is that if you are going to multiple people to share a story involving someone else, that's an indicator of an imbalance. If as you are sharing, you find a strong desire within yourself to make the person you are talking to think less of the person you are talking about, that's a big red flashing light. I'm going to suggest instead that we go to God first. Let him sort out what is and is not the truth in your heart. If you need to find one close companion with whom you can vent and receive feedback, that's understandable. 
The Bible even tells us to seek wise counsel, but not from a ton of different people and certainly not from those who are not walking closely with Him. These parameters are clearly laid out for us, for the people who desire to follow God and gain wisdom in Psalms 1 and 2. As women, our number one fear is being misunderstood and left alone in our experiences. But if you find yourself spending a lot of time with your companions talking about other people and your opinion of them, it's time to re-examine your motivations. Sisters, we cannot accept counterfeit intimacy in the name of companionship, or we risk accepting a half-truth about God and His provision for us, a deception that will fracture our ability to perceive truth. We cannot allow ourselves to dwell closely with half-truths just because we're afraid of what the full truth will cost us. Perfect love casts out fear, says Scripture. Are we beginning to see why God tells us so often to trust and have faith? And even in light of what we read from Father Philippe about the relationship that that trust and faith have together as we choose to conform our minds to Him, we are going to be finding the antidote to our fears, great and small. So let's kind of review before we wrap up. We've established that fear motivates a lot of what we do and, and, and a lot of what we choose, especially in relationships to pet sins. We've reminded ourselves of how we can begin to recognize and identify the lies that are motivating those fears. Now we need to come up with a simple plan of action for how to be on guard against deception in our lives. Now before we do that, there is an overarching principle that needs to be reiterated here before we try to organize a massive raid on our thought lives. I'm looking at my fellow type A mamas here. Yeah, you. Calm down. Remember that this is God's battle. Let's hear from Father Philippe again before we come up with our plan. He says, we should tell God very simply that we want to love him with a pure and disinterested love and then abandon ourselves totally and trustingly to him. He will purify us, hoping to achieve that purity by our own strength, wanting to decide for ourselves what is pure and impure in us, to uproot the weeds prematurely, as it were, and thereby falling into mere presumption, we would risk uprooting the good wheat too. Let God's grace act. Be content to persevere in trust. Patiently endure the times of heredity that God will certainly send to purify our love for Him. Remember that this is God's battle. Before we begin to examine anything, we must pray and ask God to reveal things in His time. Don't fall into a trap of trying to root out everything all at once. Let him reveal it as he will. You have only to ask him and observe yourself. Once something presents itself to you, talk to him about it. Let him know that you recognize it and ask him to show you what truth in scripture you can cling to to counteract that lie that you have believed. Let's hear the word of the Lord for a minute to remind us of this reality that this is God's show. Psalm 51 reminds us, Indeed, you love truth in the heart. Then, in the secret of my heart, teach me wisdom. 
O purify me, and I shall be clean. A pure heart create for me, and with a spirit of fervor sustain me. For in sacrifice, and here I'm going to insert needless human striving, trying to rid ourselves of sin in our own power. For in sacrifice you take not delight, but my sacrifice is a contrite spirit, a humbled and contrite heart you will not refuse. And again in scripture it says, For God, it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good pleasure. In Habakkuk 3 we read, God, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet swift as those of the deer. He enables me to go on the heights. You see, my friends, we have only to place ourselves before the Lord honestly and humbly, recognizing the areas that need his touch, and he will do the rest. When we consistently do this, we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 147, He has strengthened the bars of my gates. He has blessed the children within me. He has established peace on my borders. And he feeds me with the finest wheat. It is God who will do all of this. And we have to let him do it. If we try to get in there and uproot and tear down and plow up, we're going to do great damage and it will not bear fruit. But when God is guiding this purification process, we can say, Lightly I run the way you have shown, for you have opened my heart to receive your law. Be gentle and go slow. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. I've got some tools for you to help you rely on God's word um, to gently reveal things to you. If you've taken any of my courses, you know that I believe that God's answer to our struggles is together. The word together. And here at Gathering Mano, we try to facilitate that community as much as possible. There are three things happening this summer that will be of help to you and your desire to move closer to God's truth. We have set we have set up what we call the Hideaway Clubs, and these are Scripture Memory Clubs, and we have three of them. There's one for kids and families to do together. There's one for women to do, and then there's one also for teenagers to do. Each of these groups has different scripture assignments for each week of the summer. It's going to be from between eight to ten weeks, and there's a scripture every week for you to memorize, and then you can um, work toward your goals with um, in community with other families and with other women, uh, and particularly in the kids group, it's really fun. The kids are going to video themselves um, saying their scriptures and post it so that they can see other children memorizing scripture with them, and it's just a really encouraging thing. We have to remember that if Jesus memorized scripture, if Jesus felt that the only way to counteract the lies the enemy threw at him was through quoting scripture back to the enemy, then we need to also make that a part of um, our lives and our spiritual growth. In Psalm 119, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that's where we got the name, the Hideaway Clubs. So stay tuned for more information about those. We're going to have different groups set up for each one that you can join on Facebook for accountability and just for encouragement. The second thing that we're doing this summer is a course called The Soul of a Woman. Um, This is a beautiful, it's actually called um, 
I'm getting ahead of myself there. It's actually called Paradise Found, the soul of a woman in the hands of her God. And in this course, we're going to dig really deeply into the areas of our hearts that we need to give back to God, particularly in the area of deceptions we have believed. It's going to be a beautiful course. There's a lot of information already coming out about that on the page. You can click on the links to read more and to register for that course. It begins June 1st, but we are registering now. So you'll want to get your spot as quickly as possible so you can decide how you want to structure that with your summer. It is a beautiful course. It's a course that is really focused on transformation and freedom and allowing God more space in our lives as women. We're also going to be having the live book studies that I discussed earlier, where we're going to be studying Jacques Philippe and particularly the book Time for God. It's a short little book. It's just 100 pages, but it's packed full of really accessible truth that's going to help us to walk closer to God this summer. Um, it's just going to be a wonderful time at Gathering Manor this summer. I do want to return back to the gossip problem for just a minute before we close. So we're talking about ways to bathe our minds in scripture and in truth in order to be able to identify those areas where we're believing lies. But what do we do about this gossip problem when others come to us initiating a bashing session? You see, it's easy for us to decide I'm going to start guarding my mind and my lips and I'm going to start asking the Lord to help me um, and to keep me from these deceptive practices. But what do you do when it's not really up to you when you're in a situation where it's initiated by someone else. The first thing we can do is um, we can ask the Lord now to go before us and to help us in this endeavor. We can ask the Lord to help us in this endeavor to keep our lips from deception. We've just read a whole bunch of scripture that reminds us that this is a real promise that we can depend on him to keep if we will ask him to help us. So that's the first thing that we're going to do right now is to ask us to go or to ask him to go ahead of us in this adventure and sort of clear the way. The second thing, and this is one of the easiest things you can do to head this off at the pass, is to share with your close companions from your heart about your desire to overcome this in your life. Ask them to hold you accountable to not gossiping about others. This does two things. Philippians 4 says that it's going to edify those that are listening to you because you're speaking what is wholesome. And the Psalms refer to actions like this as making straight paths for your feet. So um, the two things are that as you ask people to help you with this, it almost kind of holds them accountable too um, to do the right thing. And they'll, they'll think twice before they come to you with some salacious gossip because they know you don't want to hear it and that your heart is going to call them to virtue as well. Um, and it also makes straight paths for your feet by, by asking people to help you avoid those pitfall situations. Another thing we can do is avoid situations where this always happens um, as best you can charitably. Obviously, you're not going to be able to avoid it all the time, especially in family situations. But you want to look at the situations that you can avoid, maybe, and, and just sort of stay away from those where you see that happening all the time or maybe go a different route or make a different plan. But when you are cornered, now this it's going to happen and you can't escape for the sake of charity or practicality, then you can become a spring of living water to the one who is speaking. You can um, listen tenderly, looking for underlying currents of fear and sadness. Uh, you can pray about those for that person, even as they're speaking, and ask God to mend the division that you're hearing about. In this way, you become a powerful missionary of the Lord. Even in the middle of gossip, you can turn that situation around into something that is beautiful for Him. So let's try it out this week. 
Pray with me, Lord, keep me from deception, both in my thoughts and in my words. Help me to see how important this is to you and to my growing closer to you. Reveal to me the areas where I have been deceived and show me how to replace those half-truths with the fullness of your truth. Loosen any attachments I have that may be leading me to engage in deceptive practices and draw me ever closer to your Eucharistic heart. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And don't forget to check out all of our resources as we head into summer at www.facebook.com backslash gathering manna for moms. And please know my prayer is for you to find joy today in the little things. And until we meet again, seek him moment by moment because he is always seeking you.